Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and here we are, still at the beginning of the year. You know, last week we talked about getting ready for your 2024 garden. I went through some things that I hope to do because I looked back at 2023 and realized I didn't do so good. I didn't do as much as I'd hoped. I had big dreams with little results. (laughs) So last week we talked about you know, getting your goals written down in a list, writing them out, putting them before your eyes so you can see them. And after you write them down, we needed to prioritize them. Then, of course, we had to make our goals manageable. That's one of my biggest things. I have these big ideas, big dreams, and large spaces to deal with. And sometimes even the smallest of spaces can be overwhelming for maybe other reasons. But of course, in gardening, the seasons change, the weather is here and there. And so the last step was to make your goals timely, making sure you're doing the right things at the right time for the sake of your plants, but also like in the vegetable garden, if you're looking to have a crop of one thing or another, well, it's a good idea to make sure you're planting with the seasons, because if you don't plan it out, You may not have time to get it in before the weather turns. A lot of crops like it hot. Some crops prefer it cool. So you got to plan that out and think about when you're going to be doing those things. For instance, I was hoping to plant a lot of turnips a couple of years back. Turnip greens. Well, guess what? I still have the seed. (laughs) I bought the seed, never got to it, and haven't since. So making sure that uh, you plan things to to get them on the right day of the month, month out of the year, season, that's critical. So if you are looking to maybe make some gardening resolutions of your own, maybe check out last week's episode. Of course, last week's show and every show we've ever had is online at NewSouthernGarden.com and of course on your favorite podcasting apps. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, too. So today, I want to sort of continue this idea about, you know, it's a new year. We want to create a new garden or at least do some new things in our garden. And something that we're doing this year that I've already mentioned is we're going to have a raised bed gardening, a raised bed garden, particularly for vegetables. Now, if you've listened to the program, you know why I have raised bed gardens right now, because my wife said that if... We had raised beds, she would probably help me more in the garden. (laughs) So, hopefully, that if and probably will be a for sure thing in 2024, but time will only tell. 
So with that being said, I thought that today we would talk about vegetables and maybe planning your 2024 vegetable garden. What are some things you're going to put into it? But I thought we'd go a different route than just, you know, list a bunch of vegetables for no reason. I thought, you know, one of the top New Year's resolutions in general is to maybe lose weight, be healthier, exercise more, you know, all about being healthy. And so I thought, what if we talked about vegetables that are the most nutrient-dense vegetables you could possibly grow, possibly could eat and would have, you know, good benefits on the body? When it comes to vegetables, all vegetables are nutritious, but some are more nutritious than others. That is the first line out of an article that I read this week from Healthline.com. So Healthline.com has a list of 14 most nutrient-dense vegetables. And I thought we would talk about some of these nutrient-dense vegetables and talk about what are some unique things that you need to consider when you're trying to grow these vegetables yourself. So I think we'll sort of intermingle uh, the health aspect and also the production, the growing aspect in these vegetables. Uh, You know, when it comes to vegetables, I remember something my doctor told me. Oh, before I get into that, I should mention that I'm not a doctor, obviously. Um, I'm not giving health advice. I think whenever you talk about health, you're supposed to have this disclaimer. Isn't that right? Uh, So I'm not giving health advice, but You and I, we've been growing vegetables for plenty of times, right? Plenty of seasons, plenty of years. And we always think about when we're growing them, what is it we need to put into the plant? What is it we need to put into the vegetables? We need good, rich, organic soil. We need water. We need sunshine. We need fertilizers with well-balanced nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and all the micronutrients. We think about all the things we put into it. But Today, I want to open up the vegetables, look on the inside, and see what it is that we are literally getting out of it for the sake of our bodies. So again, this is not medical advice. Today's program is not a medical show. This is just to show you that some of the vegetables you're growing, or maybe some of the vegetables you hope to grow, maybe some of the vegetables you should be growing, Uh, Take a look at them and see how healthy they really are. So, we will talk about some medical things. We'll talk about some antioxidants and other things you will find in these vegetables. But, consult your doctor. Talk to your own doctor when it comes to the health aspects. Um, With that in mind, I talked to my doctor a few years ago. And the doctor told me, he said... Nathan, I've got some bad news for you. I said, What's, what are you talking about? He said, well, you've got a fatty liver. A fatty liver. I said, well, doctor, at least my liver matches the rest of me. <laughs> he said, you're going to have to lose some weight. I said, doctor, I've looked like this since I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> uh, he said, have you ever considered doing a couch to 5K? A couch to 5K. I said, doctor, does it look like I've ever considered to doing a couch to 5K? I said, doctor, I would consider doing a couch to 5K if you were to walk into my living room, 
put $5,000, 5 k on the dining room table, I would go from the couch to that 5 k <laughs> But of course, I'm not a marathon runner. Don't have the body for it. Maybe if I did do marathon running, I would have the body for it. And then he goes on to say, well, it's not just about the exercise, it's about what you eat. He said, it's about what you eat. He said, for instance, it's not bad to go back for a second helping when you're at dinner or lunch or breakfast. (laughs) He said, but when you go back for a second helping, don't go for the biscuits and the bread. Don't go for the gravy or the potatoes. And I said, doctor, that's not really talking to me. (laughs) He said, eat the vegetables or eat the meat, the protein. He said, you can have all the protein, you can have all the meat you want. But when it comes to the carbs, and those are the tastiest things, aren't they? Those carbs, those carbohydrates. So, of course, of course, the first line, like I mentioned in this article from healthline.com is, while all vegetables are nutritious, Some are more nutritious than others. And I sort of feel like we don't need a doctor to tell us these things. I sort of feel like uh, we don't need an article on a health website. We should have just listened to our mamas and our grandmothers, remember, when we were at the table and we didn't eat our vegetables? What did they say? Eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. You'd eat the biscuits, but you wouldn't eat the vegetables. We should have listened to them. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. So, of course, we know... It's just common knowledge now, I suppose, that all vegetables are nutritious. Now, I would love for the vegetables in this health article to have included tomatoes and squash. Because I tell you right now, um, fried green tomatoes and fried squash sure are good. And I would love to eat as much of those as I possibly could. (laughs) But of course, those are not in this list. So let's start at the top of this list and we will Talk about, we're going to cut open these vegetables, look inside of them, and see what they have microscopically that are going to benefit the human body, and then we'll have some notes about uh, what you need and maybe what time of year um, to grow these vegetables in your own garden. So the first one on healthline.com is spinach. Spinach. Spinach is a leafy green, of course, and It's at the top of this list for a reason because it tops the chart as one of the most nutrient-dense vegetables. One cup of raw spinach provides you 16% of the daily value, the amount that you would need every day, for vitamin A plus 120%, 120%. That's more than you need in a day's time for vitamin K. And one cup of spinach only cost you seven calories, seven calories. My mom and dad, uh, growing up, they were on and off with, what was that? Weight Watchers, with Weight Watchers. And I remember you had points, you had points with Weight Watchers. You eat something like spinach, you can eat as much of that as long as you want to. Now, I don't know who would want to eat spinach three times a day and in between three meals as snacks, but that is low on the Weight Watchers point category. So uh, spinach also boasts antioxidants, which may help us reduce our chances of developing diseases like cancer. Of course, antioxidants, that's a big trendy word, big buzzword. Uh, You didn't used to hear that word in the 90s. I don't remember people talking about antioxidants, but maybe since then, I don't really know the history of it. Maybe we knew about them. Nobody just talked about it. 
Um, but antioxidants are those cancer-fighting compounds. I know blueberries are high in antioxidants, and a lot of these things we'll talk about today are. So there's another benefit. Not just getting vitamins, not just keeping low on the calorie side, but also filled with antioxidants. So spinach is the top of the list. Spinach is the top of the list for the healthiest vegetables you could eat, and I would rather say the healthiest vegetables you can grow. So with that being said, spinach, of course, likes it cooler. Spinach is not really a warm season crop. Now, you might get by with it, um, particularly if you're trying to grow spinach over the spring, maybe late spring into summer, and you give it some afternoon shade. All right, it still needs six to eight hours of direct sunlight because spinach is a sun-loving plant, but it does have broad leaves, and these broad leaves will capture uh, copious amounts of sunlight even in a low-light situation. But of course, you're trying to harvest leaves, so you need as many leaves as possible, and the only thing that's going to help produce leaves, or really two things, are the sun and nitrogen. So you do need quite a rich nutrient-rich soil in order for spinach to grow. Uh, definitely, we don't want wet feet, so well-draining, but probably on the moist side, too. Um, now, so with that being said, spinach, of course, is going to be, for us here in the South, it's going to be more of that late winter, early spring crop. You could probably go ahead and start sowing some seeds in a couple of weeks, keep them indoors, and then as the weather warms up a bit, um, as long as we're staying in the 50s, you know, so we're talking maybe end of February, March, probably more like March, um, then you could introduce those into the garden at that time. But you can also grow a second crop of it if summer doesn't work out for you. I say give it a go. Try to grow it in the heat of summer. Uh, just make sure it maybe doesn't get that afternoon sun and, of course, has some moisture. But then, of course, September comes around when summer's nearing a close, and you can start your seedlings then. And they should continue to grow maybe until we get really frosty and cold. Now, when I was studying at the University of Georgia at the organic uh, horticulture farm, where this like two acres of land where they were running experiments and trials and anything they produced would be sold to the cafeterias and the restaurants at the on campus. But we would grow that under plastic in just a cold frame. So if you can create a structure that traps heat during the day and of course uh, the ground heat radiates overnight and it's trapped under that plastic, we were growing spinach uh, all winter long. It's not a problem. It was nice and cool, and they loved it. So, gang, when we get back from this break, other than spinach, what else can you grow that is going to keep you in tip-top healthy shape? Hang on tight. We'll be right back with more. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. 
So gang, today we are continuing to talk about preparing for our 2024 gardens, uh, making the best of this year. So we have a great garden. Maybe you're growing pollinator plants, perennials, shrubs, trees, or maybe you're growing vegetables. And that's the topic of today's conversation is growing vegetables. These vegetables we're talking about today, uh, I think I'll title it as I think today's program is going to be called the healthiest vegetables you can grow. I still like that because I was reading an article from healthline.com and it has the top 14 nutrient most nutrient dense vegetables. But for our purposes, I want us to think about, you know, yes, of course, New Year's resolutions in the landscape and uh, in the garden, but you know, maybe New Year's resolutions around I think still the top New Year's resolution, of course, is going to be, I want to get healthy slash lose weight. If that was on uh, an answer on Family Feud, it would probably be a two for one there because that's probably always at the top of the list. Uh, And what can we do as gardeners to maybe understand the things we're growing better? Of course, part of today's program is talking about how to grow these vegetables, but I rarely have ever talked about what is inside of our vegetables. What are the good things that are coming into our dinner plates, coming into our bodies, and help helping to make our bodies grow big and strong. We want our plants to grow big and strong, but what about those plants helping us? Because, of course, gardening and growing is this, you know, symbiotic relationship. We're helping plants. They're helping us. They're bringing beauty to us, or in this case, they're bringing physical nutrition to us. So, again, I think I need to start off every... Uh, after every break today with reminding you that I am not a doctor. I am not providing medical advice. I'm just looking at what is inside of these wonderful vegetables that we all know and we all love. I don't know. Some of these vegetables I love more than others. Some of them I may not even talk about because I don't like them. (laughs) But uh, of course, before the break, we were talking about the first And this is fairly well known. I've heard it for many years now. That spinach is probably topping the chart. This leafy green, tiny little small plant. They really don't get maybe over eight inches tall. They're they're more just kind of prostrate plants laying low to the ground. But this little tiny green plant with all of its leaves is actually quite nutrient dense. Quite nutrient dense. But number two does probably shouldn't surprise you either because we have heard our entire lives, that carrots, that carrots are good for your eyes. Have you not heard that? I heard it for a long time. Then finally, I read an article where that was just sort of baloney. That uh, carrots good for your, being good for your eyes was basically sort of propaganda uh, that came out of Britain in maybe the First or Second World War. I really wasn't prepared to talk about this. It just came to mind. Uh, but during the war, they were trying to promote and encourage people to eat this for the vitamin's sake. And by saying it's good for your eyesight, actually, I think it had something to do with radar. You know, when radar was a new thing, it was a cool technological advancement that these carrots would help you see better. I don't know. I need to double check that story. But I don't think that really any doctor agrees. I mean, of course, carrots are good for you. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I remember seeing that old cartoon. You may remember seeing it where uh, a guy walks in, a man walks in to an eye doctor, and he's got carrots stuck in his eyes, one in each eye. 
And he says, Doctor, you said these carrots were good for my eyes. Yeah. But carrots are packed with vitamin A. As a matter of fact, they can deliver to you 119% of the daily value in just one cup. One cup of carrots will give you well over what you need as far as vitamin A goes. And of course, it also contains nutrients like vitamin C and potassium. Now, carrots are pretty unique. They have this thing called beta carotene. Sounds like carrot, doesn't it? Beta carotene. Of course, from the plant's perspective, uh, the botany perspective, that falls into that realm of uh, pigments that give you that orange color and the red color and all that. But turns out that beta carotene, which makes our carrots look so pretty, is actually an antioxidant that will provide them with their color, but then our body converts that to vitamin A. Vitamin A. So that's a good little piece of advice to know. Now, in one study of more than 57,000 people who were associated with eating at least two to four carrots per week, that's just two to four carrots, they had a 17% lower risk of colorectal cancer in the long run. That's good. Two to four carrots. That's not really a lot of carrots per week. I don't eat that many. I probably should. Now, I'll tell you, I will be honest. If you take these carrots and boil them down low in some butter or take those carrots, roll them in some butter and bake them in the oven, roast them up, put some salt and pepper, I'm good to go. (laughs) But crunching a raw carrot is not really my thing. But I do like growing carrots. And um, oh, one more fact before we talk about growing carrots. A review of 18 studies also found that carrots may also reduce the chance of developing lung cancer. But when it comes to growing carrots, we've talked about them before, and I do want to give you just some, some reminders that carrots, uh, when it comes to vegetables, we are either eating the root, the shoot, or the fruit. And with vegetables, we are eating the root. We're growing the root. So the root, of course, is this large swollen structure that penetrates down in the soil. It's basically a taproot, right? Very deep, Um, Some of them, of course, certain varieties of carrots can be really small, just like tiny little pinky fingers, two to three inches or less, um, very thin. Some carrots, like the imperator, is a huge carrot. It could be a foot long and quite wide, several inches wide. So when it comes to carrots, keep that in mind, that the main part of the plant you're trying to grow is underground. The part you're going to consume is underground. So think about your soil. When it comes to carrots, be sure we've got free-draining soil. We don't want waterlogged soil. You may just rot the taproot, which there goes your beta carotene, right? Out the window. So if you want to grow these to eat and become maybe a bit healthier, then you want to make sure that carrots, the soil itself is free of stones or free of rocks or broken bricks or whatever may be underneath your soil that is hard and impenetrable. If a carrot can't push through something, it will start to bend. And then when you pull the carrot out, you may be a little discouraged because You may have an L-shaped carrot or a Y-shaped carrot. It's kind of sounding like a Sesame Street garden. Today's letter of the day is Y. But if you want the classic carrot with a straight taproot that's nice and and, uh, (laughs) non-forking, then be sure that whatever soil you're growing in is light, not heavy like clay. And I know for 
Uh, my friends growing up here in the Piedmont, that clay is hard to deal with, but raised beds become a good option for carrots, as well as containers. We've grown carrots in container, containers for a long time. I mention this probably every time we talk about carrots. I've used a five-gallon bucket. Just something that is deep. Now, of course, if your carrot is a variety that's only six inches, you don't need more than six or eight inches of soil for that carrot. But if you are growing those imperators or the very large carrots, then be sure you're giving them a very deep but soft, lightweight soil. Of course, potting mix, potting soil, they do beautifully in that. But any kind of well-amended clay with good, rich compost and organic matter like soil, conditioners and whatnot, manures, that will help to create an area for carrots that's just wonderful. So deep soil and soft soil when it comes to carrot and free draining soil. Now, of course, they're going to like as much sun as possible, but carrots can do okay in some shadier situations if you need to. As far as time of year goes, um, I have grown them all year long, but of course, carrots uh, don't love extreme heat. So if you can grow them in that early, uh, sorry, late winter, early spring vegetable garden, or if you can grow them in the fall and early winter vegetable garden, you've sort of got uh, opposite ends of the year to grow them. You can have two seasons for them. It's a wonderful thing. Um, of course, you could grow them over winter. We don't have a problem really with that, but there is something that happens to carrots. After the first year of growing, if they're left in the ground, they will flower and they will bolt and they'll put up a flower and then they'll turn into seeds. So unless you're trying to save seeds to grow more carrots the next year, be sure you pull your carrots up within the same year. Follow the guidelines for how many days to harvest and you'll be good to go. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk about more healthy vegetables you can grow in your landscape. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. You know, gang, if we sum down the point of today's show, what we're really talking about today is why gardening is good for you. So if you're just joining us for the program, of course, we are talking about the healthiest vegetables you can grow in your garden. Now, we always talk about how to grow vegetables, but we rarely talk about what is inside of them that makes them so good for us. I mean, it kind of goes without saying that all vegetables are nutritious. Even my doctor, even my doctor said, if you need to go back for seconds at a, at a dinner or at a supper, you can do so, but don't go for the bread and the biscuit and the gravy. He said, go back for vegetables, mm, right? Don't go for the, the potato with sour cream, cheese, bacon, chives on it. He said, go for the chicken, go for the protein. So, of course, all vegetables are nutritious, but what are some of these vegetables that are highly nutritious? What are the ones that top the charts? Well, we've already talked about spinach and carrots, and now we're going into a third one, which is 
which I really like. It's a good. I think that broccoli smothered in that saucy cheese is wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, but of course, broccoli is good eaten fresh or dipped in a big tub of ranch dressing. <laughs> but listen, broccoli, just a cup of broccoli, raw broccoli. This article does state raw broccoli, a cup of raw broccoli without the cheese or the ranch dressing provides 77% of your daily value for vitamin K, 90% of the daily value for vitamin C, and a good amount of folate, manganese, and potassium. Good amount of folate, manganese, and potassium. These are good things. These are delicious things. Now, broccoli is rich in a sulfur-containing plant compound called glucosinolate, as well as its byproduct, sulfur... Let me say this again. As well as its byproduct, sulforaphane. I hope I'm pronouncing those right. <laughs> but it may be able to, broccoli may be able to help protect against cancer and as well as decrease inflammation, which is linked to chronic conditions like heart disease, a heart-healthy vegetable. And you can grow them in your southern gardens. So, of course, broccoli. Broccoli is going to be one of those crops which is associated with the cool season, whether it is early spring or fall. Those are particularly when we would grow them. Now, broccoli is in that group of plants, which is very broad, very diverse. We call them brassicas in the horticulture world, the brassicas. Now, that includes cabbages and, well, really, kales. They're in that group. Uh, Brussels sprouts, et cetera, et cetera. Those kinds of cold crops. Now, that's not cold, C-O-L-D. It's C-O-L-E, like coleslaw, which is, I guess, how we get that name. But regardless, uh, these are cool, loving plants. And we would say start your broccoli indoors if you're going to do it soon. Uh, you could do that probably next month, maybe the end of this month, depending on your situation and where you are. But you could start them indoors, keep them protected from the frost as babies, uh, and then introduce them, let them harden off, put them outside for a, you know, a few hours, bring them inside, take them outside the next day for a few more hours and until you get up to um, kind of all day being outside, then plant them in the garden. Of course, be sure to bring them in overnight if it's going to freeze, uh, but you never know when we have those cold snaps come March or even April for that matter. But broccoli, of course, is going to love the sun. It does produce uh, leaves like cabbage produces leaves <laughs> kind of gardener says that all plants produce leaves right but anyhow it produces leaves like cabbage and so there's a copious amount of leaves but then right in the middle is really what we go for with the broccoli the broccoli what we're eating is the unopened flower of the broccoli plant so like with cabbages if they start to have flowers it's kind of too late <laughs> we want to eat the leaves of the cabbage but its cousin the broccoli plant we're growing the plant it's got beautiful leaves da -da -da -da, and then those flower heads start forming so when it comes to broccoli you've got to time it right you've got to make sure that you're harvesting before those flower buds open not that you couldn't eat it but it wouldn't be the same kind of broccoli we're all used to knowing and loving and eating so you've got to harvest broccoli before those flowers open. You're actually eating the flower buds. Now, who said you couldn't eat flowers, right? 
Well, we do that quite often with broccoli. Um, of course, well-drained soil, uh, they're going to need some, some, some good nutrition, so make sure your soil is quite nutritious, um, well-draining, I think I said that. And then, of course, um, you want to make sure you've got eh, copious, I wouldn't say copious, not a good word, plenty of nitrogen because they are heavy feeders. All those brassicas are heavy feeders, so they're going to need nitrogen. Of course, like I said before, all these brassicas, their job is to produce leaves, right? That's, they, that's what they do for us. They produce, kales produce leaves, the cabbages produce leaves, and broccoli is the same. But because we're trying to encourage flower development, you may want to make sure you've got well-balanced nutrition for your broccoli in that when it starts to flower or produce the flower buds rather uh, will need some other things like phosphorus and potassium so don't be exclusive with your nutrition make sure that you are including uh, pretty much everything your plant would need and and then of course like I said, you've got these two seasons broccoli can handle a bit of frost but once those flowers come on or rather flower buds they're not quite as hardy as the foliage may be and so they may need some protection if you're planning to grow broccoli in the fall and pushing into winter you may want to do some row cover, which is simply draping over a lightweight fabric to trap some ground heat over, over winter, uh, sorry, overnight when it does get down to low degrees in wintertime. But then also that draping, uh, whether it's bed sheets, you could do that. Uh, of course, you can buy products that are made of s- sort of a, a, f- a thin sp- spun, woven, I don't know, uh, felt kind of. Uh, That's kind of the traditional agricultural row crop. Very lightweight. They can pretty much lay on top of the plants, but they've got to be secured to the ground because that product can also trap heat from the soil overnight. And then, of course, because you have a covering over the top, you won't get frost on the plants. So, We don't really have to worry about that now because it would be quite difficult to start growing broccoli at this stage. You would want to have plants that were quite robust to handle any of this winter weather we're having. So broccoli, that's third on the list, and it is a very healthy plant um, for us to consume and eat, and it's quite simple to grow. I'll say that I've never achieved the size heads of broccoli. I've got to figure out that secret, how to get large crowns on your broccoli plants. Maybe I'll work on that this year. But now the fourth healthiest vegetable you can grow in your garden, we talked about a few weeks ago. We talked about actually a lot of this particular plant's cousins. That was garlic. Garlic, onions, those types of things. Now garlic, let's talk about some of the health benefits. It's very nutritious and it's quite low on calories. And most people... This is me too, right? We usually consume small amounts of garlic as an ingredient in cooking. If you want to keep the vampires away and most other people, then grab a clove or a head, a full bulb of garlic and eat it. Not only will it be nutritious, but it will keep people away. If you don't like people, it'll keep them away, especially if you don't brush your teeth, right? But listen to this. One clove of garlic only has about four and a half calories. That's pretty low calorie snack. But it does contain nutrients like selenium, which we haven't talked about today. So selenium is in garlic, vitamin C, vitamin B6, and fiber. 
We all could use more fiber. That's what my doctor said. Now, it has also been used as a medicinal plant for millennia, not just a couple of years, not just a couple hundred years, but thousands of years. People have been using garlic as a medicinal plant. Its main active compound is allicin, not allison, but allison, which has been shown to aid with blood sugar and heart health. Now, it does mention here in the article that there, although further research is needed, some test tube and animal studies also suggest that allicin uh, has powerful cancer-fighting properties. So maybe that information is to come. But regardless, garlic is quite an easy crop to grow. And I do want to get in as many of these as I can today, so I won't dwell on that. But if you want to know more about growing garlic, be sure to check out NewSouthernGarden.com because you will find not just the garlic and onion episode, uh, but you'll find every show of the program we've ever had. And of course, you can find it on demand on your favorite podcasting apps. And be sure to check out uh, Facebook and Instagram too, especially if you have questions for us here at New Southern Garden. Uh, we love to hear from you and you can send us questions at NewSouthernGarden.com and Facebook and Instagram. Now, before we get into the next little bit of uh, healthy vegetables you can grow, I do want to mention that since we're talking about garlic and, you know, related plants, onions, I guess, um, I think it was last week I mentioned that I'm trying to do better. This is another New Year's resolution for me. I've been trying to do better about posting videos on YouTube for New Southern Garden. So just go to youtube.com, search for New Southern Garden, and you'll see the channel there. And there's just a few videos, you know, I started it a few years back and didn't do much with it didn't do much with it. I guess I was doing too much in the garden. That's what I'll say. Uh, but I do want to do that weekly. So just this week, if you log on at uh, youtube.com, look for New Southern Garden, you will see later today, I guess, uh, you will see a video on growing evergreen, evergreen, Bunching onions. I almost forgot the name. Evergreen bunching onions. And of course, it's not garlic. It is more closely on the onion side of things, but it is a wonderful plant to grow. And it's truly a perennial vegetable that you can grow. And on the YouTube video at New Southern Garden, uh, I do talk about how to divide them because they make these big clumps of, of onions for you. And it's mainly an onion you would harvest for greens. So you would be harvesting the leaves mostly. You could eat the entire plant if you would like. But of course, um, I talk all about it at uh, youtube.com and go to New Southern Garden and be sure to hit, it's, it's a red button that says subscribe. If you subscribe to it, then you will get all the notifications. You got to ring a little bell. I think they talk about ringing the bell too, because that will uh, give you a notification on your smartphone or uh, tablet that will let you know when we've uploaded a new video for you to learn more about gardening here in the South. So go check us out at New Southern Garden on YouTube.com. What is the fifth healthiest vegetable for you to grow in 2024? That would be Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are a great source of fiber. It's an important nutrient that supports bowel regularity. Everybody needs that. It, of course, helps to support heart health and blood sugar control. Each serving of Brussels sprouts is also packed with folate, magnesium, and potassium, as well as vitamin A, vitamin C, and vitamin K. Now, they also contain K2, 
camphorol. I hope I'm saying that right. It's a weird combination of letters. Camphorol, which is an antioxidant that may be particularly effective in preventing cell damage. We don't want our cells to get damaged, do we? Well, camphorol, you can eat some of that in your... Um, in your Brussels sprouts. Now, camphorol has also been shown to have anti-inflammatory and cancer-fighting properties as well, which, of course, uh, may protect against any disease. So, with that being said, I would like to say that Brussels sprouts are one of my favorite vegetables. They really are. And, uh, of course, they're in the brassica family, but you do harvest these little tiny cabbages that grow up on the stem. If you haven't grown Brussels sprouts, if you haven't tried Brussels sprouts, grow some and then eat them and just know that you are getting all of these wonderful nutrients. Well, gang, when we get back from this break, more vegetables that are super healthy that you can grow in your vegetable garden. Hang on tight. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about the healthiest vegetables that you can grow in your garden. We always talk about how to grow vegetables, but do we, we, I never talk about which ones are the healthiest. So I thought, well, what a great way for us to be starting to plan our 2024 vegetable uh, gardens, what we're going to grow in them, what we're going to try to produce, and of course, bring inside to chop up, slice up, cook up, and eat for supper. Well... We talked about the very top, which is probably the superfood in our vegetable gardens, and that's spinach. But I will say that now that we're down to number six, number six is closely related to two other plants we've already talked about. This sixth plant is related to both Brussels sprouts and broccoli, and that is kale. Now, you know, I have heard a lot about kale in the past decade, decade and a half. Maybe it's been 20 years. And everybody was going for kale smoothies because nothing says smoothie like kale. A leafy dry green, right? Well, catch this. Kale, just one cup. One cup of raw kale is loaded with potassium, calcium, copper, vitamins A, vitamin B, vitamin C, and vitamin K. And in one small study, eating kale alongside a high-carb meal was more effective at preventing blood sugar spikes than eating a carb meal alone. So if blood sugar is maybe something that is a problem, Think about eating those higher carb meals with kale. Now, I should use this segment, this 
part of the show to remind you that I'm not a doctor. I am not in the medical field. I'm not a trained professional in that world, as you can probably already tell, even from the past couple of minutes here. Uh, So don't take my advice as medical advice. Be sure to talk to your doctors. Be sure to talk to them. Now, I don't know if there would be any doctor who would say, don't eat kale unless there's an allergy, unless there's something that eating too much of it is a problem for you. So be sure you talk to your doctor, but I know the doctor that was trying to get me to do a couch to 5K, my doctor would have said, boy, lay off the biscuits and gravy and eat some kale, you know? So consuming kale as a powder, which is made from drying the leaves, or drinking the juice of kale, put that through a juicer. It has been found in various studies to support decreasing blood pressure, support decreasing cholesterol, and blood sugar levels. But that said... More research is needed to confirm these findings regarding kale juice specifically. So, the jury is out, but kale is still a good plant to grow, and it is a tasty plant to eat. Especially if you put olive oil on them, some salt and pepper, and put them in the oven, make little kale chips. Oh, that's good. But of course, this uh, these doctors would encourage us to probably eat them uh, raw. Yeah, eat them raw. Which means eating them right in the garden. If you're growing kale in your garden and you need a little break, need a little snack, just pinch off some leaves. And as long as you haven't been using chemicals on them or manures, you may want to rinse them off, but uh, get the soil off. But just eat them right there in your landscape, right there in the garden. Good little snack. So, of course, kale, like broccoli, I won't speak too much on this because I want to squeeze in one one or two more vegetables. Uh, But kale, like broccoli and like Brussels sprouts, is a brassica. So, it does like cooler weather. Uh, Some kales are very cold hardy. Some kales, prop kale is probably one of the hardiest vegetables you could grow, uh, handling many frost and potentially some freezes too. Of course, there comes a point where too much cold is too much cold for kale. So, Trying to grow it over the summer is difficult, so keep kale on your garden calendar as uh, that late winter, early spring garden, and then plant it again in the fall and early winter vegetable garden. Now, number seven, green peas. I'm going to try to move a little faster. Those are my top five, but I do want to uh, get a few of these in. Green peas. Now, green peas are a starchy vegetable. Which, of course, means they have more carbs and calories than non-starchy vegetables like the kale. Uh, But that may affect blood sugar levels when eaten in large amounts. Nevertheless, check this out. One cup of green peas contains nine grams of fiber. That's good. Nine grams of protein and vitamins A, C, and K, as well as riboflavin, riboflavin, maybe that's how we're supposed to say it, I think, thiamine, niacin, and folate. Now, because they're high in fiber, peas do support digestive health by enhancing the beneficial bacteria in your gut. Moreover, they are rich in saponins, saponins, probably saponins, a group of plant compounds that may help reduce tumor growth and cause cancer cell death. Who knew that when granny was trying to get me to eat those green peas, that that would have been helping reduce tumor growth and maybe cancer cell death. Now, again, this is not a medical program. I'm just reading from some medical articles here about these things, about how healthy many of the vegetables you could be growing or are growing or maybe should be growing uh, truly are. So green peas, of course, from the garden perspective, uh, they're, they're not very easy to grow in the South because they don't like it very hot. They want it cooler. 
you know, green peas also have a name. My grandmother called them English peas, okay? The same thing, English peas. Because in England, it's wonderful weather. They have cloud coverage all the time. So unlike us, we've got sun, sun, sun beating down on these plants that would rather have it a little cooler. So you got to time green peas just right. Don't think of growing green peas much over summer because they really don't do well. I've tried it with no success. But one of the beautiful things about green peas or any pea or bean for that matter, they are legumes. And legume is just a fancy word for the beans and the peas. But legumes don't need a lot of fertility. Now, they need phosphorus, potassium, and certain things. I mean, they need everything a plant needs, but they actually don't need a lot of nitrogen. That's what we're talking about. They make their own nitrogen. They pull nitrogen out of the air, uh, send it to their roots, and with the help of some bacteria and whatnot, in these little nodules on their roots, they make their own usable nitrogen for them to grow with. So you don't have to use copious amounts of organic matter and, well, not really organic matter, but fertilizer. Uh, And actually, if you have poorer soils, this may be a crop that could really work. Now, green peas don't like our summer, but the southern pea does. Now, the southern peas, you may know them by the Crowder pea, uh, purple hole pea, really black-eyed peas too. Those peas are a little different than English peas, the round green peas that come in those nice open pods. But of course, the southern pea, Loves the summer. So I tend to grow southern peas like Crowder or Purple Hole, those things, rather than green peas because it's such a struggle. But I don't know if green peas and uh, southern peas have the same nutritional values. Uh, but what is it? Any All vegetables are good, right? Let me give you some honorable mentions. Swiss chard, not my favorite, but it's on the list. It only contains, if you ate a cup of Swiss chard, it only contains seven calories. And it has all kinds of vitamins, fiber, manganese, all kind of stuff. Beets as well. Now, beets are a cool crop, so you'd rather be growing them in the fall or the spring. Uh, But beets, we're eating the root just like the carrots, so we need that rich, deep soil uh, that's light and airy. Asparagus is a wonderful thing. A half a cup of cooked asparagus provides you 33% of your daily value for folate as well as selenium, uh, vitamin K, thiamine, and riboflavin. Anyhow, asparagus is great because, guess what? It lasts for a long time. Year after year, it comes back. It's a true perennial crop. Well, gang, I hope that today has helped you plan your vegetable garden for 2024, knowing that these are some of the healthiest vegetables you could possibly grow. Well, for New Southern Garden and WRWH, my name is Nathan Wilson. I hope you stay well and grow well. See you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.